Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Kansas Speedway, very fast, very treacherous. Fiery crash going off in the turn number one. At least three cars involved. The whole back end of Almirola's Ford came up in the air. Uh, that was a vicious, vicious hit. Good night, rest of the field. Truex is driving away. This one is all over, and for the ninth time, Truex is going to victory lane. Hey, baby, you are the winner by goodness gracious. Yeah, baby, hell we got it. Hell yeah, man, hell yeah. Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody, presented by Mobile One. Carol Lomano and Parker Kligerman with you. Our crew chief, Steve Letarte, joins us from NBC Charlotte as well. Gentlemen, let's get right to it. For much of the last two months, we've been talking about two drivers, for the most part, yeah. Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, and rightly so. Those two have won seven of the first 11 races of the season. Harvick and Busch, when you look at the numbers, have collected 36 playoff points between them this season. Just by comparison, the rest of the field has just 34 combined. So let's take a break, if we can, from the four and from the 18 and look at a few other drivers. And let's start by setting up today's NASCAR America poll question. So as we bring up all the drivers here that you can vote for, all of these drivers are on very long winless streaks. Chase Elliott, the only one that's actually looking for his first cup win. Uh, so which one of these drivers do you think at home is going to be the first one to visit Victory Lane and end those droughts? If you look at Chase Elliott, he has finished second eight times in the Cup Series. That's the same number that his dad Bill did before earning his first Cup Series win. Kurt Busch won last year's Daytona 500, but since then he has come up empty. 46 races in a row for him. Ryan Newman made the playoffs last year when he won at Phoenix, but his winless streak now stands at 43. Jimmy Johnson won three times last year. He's won 83 races in all. He is tied for sixth all time. He has such an impressive resume, but he is riding the longest losing streak of his career at 34 races right now. And Ryan Blaney broke through at Pocono last spring. Since then, no visits to Victory Lane in his last 33. So you can make your pick at NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. We'll bring you the results later on in the show. Does this streak end, Parker, for one of the drivers that is in this group? Yes, and I think it's the one I disagree with most of the viewers I just saw when I last looked at the poll. Uh, I believe it's going to be Ryan Blaney. I think that that car has looked has shown the best speed out of all these drivers. Uh, if you look at the track we're going to, a mile and a half at Kansas, that's very similar to what we saw at Vegas. He won the pole there. He finished fifth. The Pensy cars are really on point right now, and I just feel like Jeremy Bullins and Ryan Blaney are really gelling, and I foresee them actually going out there and getting back to victory lane like they did last year at Pocono, holding off Kevin Harvick in that awesome drive by Ryan Blaney, but I think it's been only a matter of time before this 12 card gets to victory lane. I thought it would have happened sooner than now, but if it does happen, if it's going to happen, I believe it's going to happen this weekend. Steve, you have said on this show that Jimmy Johnson over the last couple of weeks, maybe this past weekend aside, has started to figure out how to do more with less. How do you view where Jimmy Johnson is right now with our most recent example? 
Well, I think Jimmy Johnson has improved from the start of the season, but he's still outside the top five in my mind as competitors go. At Kansas, perhaps even outside the top ten, that track has not agreed with him lately. So I don't see him breaking his winless streak at Kansas. But I think it's a slow grind through the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson has proven he can win a championship in the best of years and even in the down years. His last championship was probably not his strongest season, yet he found a way to get it done. He's nowhere near that level of competition yet. But as long as I start to see consistent improvement out of the Hendrick camp and the new Chevy Camaro, I think that the 48 still has a chance. It's a, it's a long, long summer, I've learned. And they just need to continue to inch up the ranks. And that's really well said, uh, Steve. And I think the road is very long for the 48 car, you know, and for Hendrick Motorsports. You can't doubt uh, Jimmy Johnson's dedication. I actually was just around him yesterday as he was testing the wheel force car for Chevy and doing some things that normally a driver of his caliber would not be doing because he wants to get this Hendrick Motorsports team back to victory lane. But I just believe the road is very long for them because of the competition they're up against right now. The, the, the Stuart Haas Fords and some of the Toyotas are so good compared to what we're seeing out of the Chevy camp at this moment. I just think it's very hard to believe that, the, that this early in the season, they're already going to have turned things around. Now, as we get into the summer months and later towards the fall, I could see things turning around as they've had time to work on the Chevy and find the things that they really need to find. But right now, I think they're just too far behind to find themselves in victory lane. Well, I think they have a split approach, Carolyn. What I mean by that is I think the Chevy, as Parker mentioned, is behind, and I think it's basically behind on downforce. And that's going to hurt you the most at the biggest, fastest racetracks. Kansas this week is the perfect example of a track that's aged. Downforce is required to be competitive for the win. I think they'll improve. They'll run inside, maybe just inside the top 10, just outside the top 10. But the variety of the summer is really their opportunity. Downforce doesn't come to mind when you talk about Sonoma, a place that I feel Jimmy Johnson can win. There are some other very creative tracks that pit strategy really matters, not to mention some short tracks through the summer. So I think that variety of tracks is really going to be the opportunity for Chad Kanaus and Jimmy Johnson to get that win because sometimes it's not just equipment. It's a little bit of self-belief. And even a seven-time champion, I think, can lose a little bit of confidence. Chad Kanaus can lose a little bit of confidence. And Parker, you know, a win can fix everything. If they just get a win, even though it doesn't make their cars better, I think you walk in with a little more confidence. You start to be a little more aggressive with everything. Next thing you know, the better runs just continue to come. And you know what Jimmy said to me yesterday, Steve? They won't outwork me. So you can't doubt that he's trying very hard to do exactly what you just said. Yeah, and boiling down what you mentioned earlier about what Jimmy Johnson is doing, he is essentially a seven-time champion going out of his way to dial in the details, yes. a place that he didn't need to be. Which exactly. Is, it's interesting when you think about where he is. Let's just stay with this group while we can. Steve, you mentioned what a win can do. It can fix a lot of things. I don't think there's any driver out there who wants to know what that feels like as badly as Chase Elliott. We have been hanging this first Cup Series win over his head for quite some time. This is one of the more difficult situations, I think, for, for me to assess. How do you view this? Well, I think, unfortunately for Chase Elliott, he was unable to strike when the iron was the hottest. And that was maybe 12 months ago when the Hendrick cars did have the speed. He had so many close calls. You mentioned earlier eight second-place finishes, some with winning cars that I know he was disappointed with, some of those, though, with non-winning cars that they worked their way into a second-place finish, but yet still the bridesmaid. So he has to figure out a way to get the victory lane, but that task is much more difficult. He's sitting in the same equipment as the seven-time champ Jimmy Johnson. So I just think that while he wants to get the win, as silly as this may sound, I'm not even sure that's their priority. Their priority is to just continue to improve. Remember, he's going to have a long career. Napa is behind him. Rick Hendrick is behind him. Alan Gustafson's behind him. 
while the media wants a win, while his fan base wants a win, while Chase Elliott wants a win, I don't think a win is needed for the man's career. I think he needs to get better equipment underneath him, but he's the key to that. Parker can tell you, you know, the driver's feedback is key, and he has to help lead this nine team kind of out of the outside the top 10 finishes and into those top five runs. If you put a string of those together, then you could talk about victory lane. Steve, I cannot believe that Chase Elliott has not won a race by now. It's incredible that we're still talking about this considering he's finished second eight times. He's been up front so often. There's tracks where I felt like he was the car to beat and could not find himself in victory lane. And now as I look at the current landscape, I agree with you full-heartedly that where they are right now on the points and such, winning isn't even the main objective. They've got to find and continue to do what they've been doing, which is being consistent, being in a points position for the playoffs so that they can work on the speed portion, that they can work on making these cars better, like his seven-time champion teammate Jimmy Johnson is trying to do, because that's the position they're in now. But it is remarkable to me that we're this far into his career and he has not won a race, considering how talented he is, how close he has been, and just overall the times that we've seen him lead laps and run up front. It just doesn't make sense they have not won yet. When you look at Stuart Haas's performance and how well they've done this year, and then you have Kurt Busch, who won the Daytona 500, but that was a while ago now. And you know in this sport, Parker, it's what have you done for me lately. Why have we not seen more success? He's another perplexing situation. You know, Kurt is very talented. I've worked with him a lot in my career back when we were teammates at Penske and, and know how good he is at setting up a car, how good he is at leading a team. You see him making some of those moves that got him that Daytona 500 victory, which, you know, he was one of the best super speedway racers without a win until this Daytona 500. But, you know, the thing is about Kurt is that he seems to constantly be up front right now. He constantly is in the top five. And if an SHR car is leading, then he's right behind them. But he's always right behind them, which I think is a frustrating position for him. So I, I think Kurt's looking for the weekends coming up with SHR being as good as they are to where he's that leading SHR car, where he's the one that's found that little thing that his teammates are trying to gain from him, that Kevin's coming to him and saying, hey, you know, what are you doing through this corner? How do I do that, right? That's where, that's where K- or Kurt is going to get that victory right now. And I, I will say that, you know, in talking to him, I spent some time Tuesday with him. He was talking about the fact that, Right now, with the way the stages are and the way that we are running these races, never in his career has he had to work so hard every single lap because of the importance of stage points. And therefore, as a driver like himself, he said for many years, he liked to use the first portion of the race to work on the car, to find what he needed in the car, to get ready for the end. And now he finds himself pushing so hard throughout the entire race that it doesn't allow him that time to just work on things and get ready for the end. Steve, he's not the only driver that feels that way, but we are going to talk about what the stages have done a little bit later in the show. So just specifically on Kurt and his performance outside of having to work so hard in the stages, what have you seen? Well, I'll go to Parker's point earlier where he had Ryan Blaney breaking through his slump this week, and I have Kurt Busch. I think very simply that what Parker alluded to, he's eighth in the standings. He has a big gap. He can relax, forget about stage points. If, if the system for Kurt Busch to get to victory lane is to use the first two stages to make his car better, let's work that system. Let's make good adjustments the first two stages. He's on a little bit of a streak. He's run inside the top ten already three times this year at the mile-and-a-half tracks. He's run inside the top 10 at Kansas at four of the last six races. As the pavement wears, I think that suits his driving style. 
So I'm going to say he's my vote. I have Kurt Busch breaking his winless streak this weekend. I know stages are a big part of this, so just stay tuned because we are yes. going to discuss that a little bit further. We also have a quick reminder for you. Our very own Parker Clearman. Who's has that? A is very, that me? Yes. Yeah. You know who it is. That's oh, a yeah. very big announcement um, coming up later in the show. You do not want to miss that. But when we do come back, we are going to hear from Eric Amarola. One year ago, he was injured in that scary wreck at Kansas. What did he learn from an experience that he thought he would never have to face? We'll hear from him when we come back. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Are you back now? <laughs> We're back, baby. Woo! Don't mind to grab that microphone. I don't even use that mic. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo? Mayo? Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. It means you're drunk, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you swear it after a couple beers. That's what happens. How are you this mad on Twitter? What you're are you laughing. doing? You're yeah. a bit. Do something with yourself. Get better. Half of you guys didn't show up. Does that mean they're, they're still at the casino trying to wake up? Is, is that what it is? I saw Kyle Larson do it. He's about the size of a horse jockey a while back. I'm thinking... My old butt can get up there. You know, I told this little turd right here. That first yellow round of whatever comes out of them, yeah. it's an ungodly smell. How are we going to get it home? I'm going to ratchet strap it to the but <laughs> He's rode my wife's SUV. We're going to be the clampets with our trophy ratchet strapped to the roof of the SUV. But it's coming home. <laughs> yes! Oh, never a dull moment with Clint Boyer, who is going to race at home, by the way, this Saturday at Kansas Speedway. And a win from him there would certainly be a memorable moment in that track's history. Until then, here is our top five Kansas moments. And, Parker, let's start with number five, the 2010 Truck Series race. An amazing display of driving from Johnny Sauter and Ron Hornaday Jr. Yeah, actually, some synchronized spinning here. As you see, the two get together in one of the most thrilling finishes in Truck Series history. Ron Hornaday gets to the side of Johnny Sauter, but Johnny Sauter is able to hold on to it and get into victory lane and some cake in the face. Number four here, 2004, Ricky Rudd, Steve, taking his best shot. Joe Nemechek holding on. Well, Nemechek just proves the favorites don't always go to victory lane. This was special for Joe, his fourth and final win of a great career. Couldn't have come in the best place and a popular victory throughout the entire garage. Closest Cup Series finish at Kansas. Number three here, poignant victory last fall for Martin Truex Jr. in Furniture Row Racing winning less than 24 hours after the death of crew member Jim Watson. Yeah, you can see the emotion across the team's faces there as they hugged and cried as they won that race. And sometimes the best medicine for racers is winning. Let's go to number two, Steve. The last lap of the 2008 race, Carl Edwards dive-bombing Jimmy Johnson. Can't make it stick, though. Oh, this is my video game move. It always works in the video game. And I give <laughs> Carl Edwards an A-plus effort. Jimmy Johnson saw it coming, though, lifted, drove around him. It was an exciting finish for sure. And number one, the 2015 playoffs, Joey Logano spun Matt Kenseth right out of a potential victory. And Parker, we certainly know what happened a few weeks later after that, don't we? Caused a bit of controversy, didn't this one? Joey Logano would sweep that stage. Some would ask, did he have to do that to win when he didn't really need it to move on to the next stage? It would bite him at Martinsville. Yeah, that is our top five moment. That battle got ugly between those two. But for Eric Almarola, this weekend really has nothing to do with retribution of that kind. It has much more to do with restitution. A year after breaking his back in a horrific crash at Kansas, Almarola is once again himself, and he is also more focused than ever. 
fiery crash going off in the turn number one. At least three cars involved. Eric Almirola nowhere to go. Whole back end of Almirola's Ford came up in the air. That was a scary looking crash. Breaking my back was obviously not in the plan. I didn't anticipate ever being injured in a race car. Eric Almirola has yet to get from his car. Just let me know if you're okay. Oh, my back, my back, my back. Ah! Okay, bud, just stop right there, then help's coming. Everybody always thinks, well, that's, you know, that's not gonna happen to me, but it did. Almirola did sustain a compression fracture to his T5 vertebra in that crash. Richard Petty Motorsports announcing that he will be out eight to 12 weeks. I'm actually grateful now. I feel like it actually re-energized uh, my career and, and me as a race car driver because doing it year in and year out, week in and week out, uh, it really becomes mundane. Being involved in the sport, you almost take it for granted after you've been in it for so long. And so to have something like breaking my back sideline me unexpectedly and really take me out of the ordinary, it forced me to step away, but it also forced me to evaluate is this really what I want to do? Do I really love this? And if it's not, this is a perfect opportunity for me to step away from the sport. You know, I've broke my back. I don't have to go back and drive a race car. I can figure out what I'm going to do next with my life. I can say that my back is hurt and I don't need to get back in a race car and don't need to chance it. But that's not what came away. I mean, just a few days into my injury and sitting on the couch with my wife and my kids and, you know, watching the TV stiff and turning to talk to them like this, all I could think about was how fast can I recover to get back in a race car. I already missed it. Like, and I, a race hadn't even, uh, you know, started yet, and I already missed it. I already wanted to, to rehab and, and go to physical therapy to try and speed up the process. For seven weeks, watching that race car go around the racetrack without me in it, I missed it so badly. Picture perfect day it is here in the New England area. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. He starts 21st today. He's so happy to be back at the track. No matter where he finishes, just climbing back into that car will be special after the painful road he's traveled to get here. I realized that I had a deep, deep passion for, for racing. I wanted to get better so that I could get back on the racetrack and go compete. Steve, it's just so fascinating that something like that can happen to a driver who was not ready to step away, certainly not close to retirement, but forced to take some time away, and it just solidifies for them that fire that they want to continue to try to perform at the highest level they can. Yeah, Caroline, I've tried for years to try to explain to people in the world what is so abnormal about race car drivers, and it's not just the injuries, but the recovery from the injuries and then doing the same exact thing that injured you driving into the same corner, taking the same risk. Much like drivers, I think, take for granted the opportunity to drive a race car, crew chiefs like myself take for granted week in and week out the drivers that drive off into the corner at over 200 miles an hour, assuming everything's tight, assuming the air will stay in the tires, assuming everything's going to work just right. And when it doesn't, it, it's humbling for all of us to remind us just how dangerous this sport is. But as Eric said, it did something to his career. Between that injury, uh, his rebound from the injury, his refound success at Stuart Haas Racing, I think it's a mixed bag. I don't think you could put it on just one thing. But when he rolls off the grid each week this year, he just seems to do it with a newfound desire, a newfound excitement to be in a race car. You can hear it in his voice over the radio. And I think that, along with better equipment, is moving him to the front. But equipment is nowhere near enough. These aren't video games. These are real men that drive these cars. They're real human beings. Their inputs matter. And I think his new energized self is one major reason that Ken car has made a major improvement 
from where he ran last year in the 43. Well, because you mentioned equipment, you know, we spent the first part of this show talking about winless streaks for certain drivers. And Eric Amarola is winless in his last 130 starts. But with this new equipment that he has, he's winless really in his last 11 starts. And if there's one thing we know, equipment does matter in this sport. And so when you look at these really long droughts, you have to consider what were they driving then? What are they driving now? And Eric Amarola now is in some very good equipment. Yeah, well, as Steve was saying, that energy comes from being in the best equipment he's ever been in his entire life and career in the Cup Series. And if you look at his teammates going out there and leading laps and Kevin Varvik, his teammate, winning four races and Clint Bohr winning a race, you have to think, yes, it's exciting for Eric Amarola to be a part of that. Yes, he's running better than we've ever seen him in his Cup career. But something has to be getting at him a little bit that he knows that these chances where you have equipment this good are so few and far between in the Cup Series. And so you must take hold of them. And I think it has to be eaten away at him that they are maybe not right in position to get a win. And if he isn't able to get a win during this time, that's really going to feel like something got away from him a little bit. And so I think that he's really going to start finding himself as we get in the summer months. And if SHR can keep up this dominance, really pushing to get a win, knowing that he needs to strike now. He does have four top tens in 12 starts at Kansas. Oh, by the way, he has done well there in the past. So we'll see what happens this weekend. After this weekend's racing at Kansas, NASCAR is going to head home to Charlotte Motor Speedway. And the guy next to me going to be part of the action. What's Ooh. he going to be up to? Is he serving hot dogs? Is he, what's like he that. doing? <laughs> okay, we'll tell you next. <laughs> Previously in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Jets have come in and have taken home ice advantage back. There is zero shortage of belief we can win this game. Here's Forsberg cutting in. Scores! spectacular performance as he turns aside 34 shots. Nashville Predators have spoiled the party and they're taking it back to Spatchville for Game 7. There is absolutely nothing more exciting in sports than a Game 7 and we have one tonight. The top two teams in the league in terms of points, the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators. The winner advances to the Western Conference Final to face the Vegas Golden Knights. Our coverage starting in just a couple of minutes. NHL Live at 7 p.m. Eastern coming your way. Steve, the equivalent of a Game 7 in NASCAR. Go. Well, I think it's the big races. I was fortunate enough to run for a championship competition against Jimmy Johnson in 2007, and that felt big. But really, the closing laps of the Daytona 500, the Coca-Cola 600, maybe the Brickyard, I really think the biggest, the majors, the big events – they feel like Game 7s. Steve, I think the races that seem like Game 7s to me are the must-wins that we see often in this sport a lot of times, whether it's in the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, or the Cup Series. And for myself, one I always go back to was in 2012. I was coming towards the end of the championship season in the Truck Series, and we had run really well. We'd been close to winning, and for reasons internally within the team and also to stay in championship contention, we got to Talladega, and we had to win, and we did it. And that was my Game 7 moment I always look back on. All right, you ready for my NHL stat of the day? Oh, um, please do. In each of the last five seasons. Okay, you with me? Yeah. The Stanley Cup champion has won at least one game seven. 
Wow. They have faced that kind of adversity and That's pressure. That's incredible pressure. NHL Live coming up at 7 o'clock. Make sure you stay with us right after we wrap up. A big game tonight. Big announcement right now from my friend Parker Clickerman. I hand you the mic, sir. Oh, yes. Well, I'm ready and happy to announce that I will be racing in the Coca-Cola 600 for the number 96 Gaunt Brothers Racing Toyota. We just tested yesterday. And uh, this is my first time back in a cup car in over four years. So I'm very excited. It was uh, a great test yesterday. We've learned a lot of things that are going to help us a lot for the weekend coming up. And I actually, in true fashion of, oh, we, this is our car testing oh, cool. yesterday. We see there in the, the nice primer testing scheme there at Charlotte. We went pretty fast. I was excited about it. But in true form, just like in the draft, I've got a hat. <laughs> okay. So, it's so I'm ready to join Grant Brothers Racing. America. Oh, man. We're so proud of you. We're so happy yes. for you. We hope you do big things. With that in mind, we have a few rapid fire questions. Okay. For Parker. I'm going to keep my hat on, though. Some, some hot cool. laps, if you will. Well, it's not. Okay, it's okay. not. Okay. Yeah, right. No, no, right. no. Keep it on. Okay, Steve. Well, you mentioned oh. laps, Carolyn. I want to make sure that Parker knows that's 600 miles. It like, is. Did you do your homework? Like, that's a long race. Well, in true fashion, I just decided, why not just go to the longest, toughest race there is in the entire okay. sport and say, just hey, checking. why not? I just want to make sure. He's a go-getter. Okay. He gives everything his all, even right <laughs> here on the NASCAR doubt. America set. All right, so hot right. laps. Steve, better finish in the Coke 600. Parker or Matt Kenseth? Kenseth by a <sighs> margin. Oh, chunk. No chunk. faith. No faith. Are you going to choose yourself? Uh, yes, of course. Okay. What kind of competitor would I be if I didn't? Okay. Uh, do you think you're going to complete all 600 miles? Second question. Well, uh, our expectations are realistic. And so a lot of times car, our aim is probably top 25, top 20. So a lot of times that means you don't quite do all 600 miles. Okay. You're fair a couple enough. Down. No, I appreciate the honesty. All right, Steve, next question in our hot laps here. Kevin Harvick's already won four races. He is on pace technically to win 13. How many is he going to actually win? I have him at eight. I have him eight wins for the year. And you? I, I think unless uh, some other teams really step up, I don't know what's going to stop him. This is awkward for me because normally you guys say so much after each question, <laughs> but we're moving through these so fast. It's like, you I don't know what to do. I know, I'm yeah, I know we're supposed to be quick. I'm listening to you guys, but I'm, I'm expecting you to say more. Okay. How about Kyle Busch? How many, how many is he going to win? I think he could easily double his wins to six, even maybe get to ten. I think I just don't know who's going to stop these two cars throughout the season. Okay, Steve? Seven. Seven for Kyle Busch. Okay. Uh, next question for Steve. Jimmy Johnson, 83 career wins, like we mentioned. Tied with Kill Yarbrough for sixth all-time. How many more wins for Jimmy Johnson in his career? I think they're going to dig their heels in, find something, even if it's not this year. I look at him passing Waltrip and Allison for sure, but falling short of Jeff Gordon. So, I have him at 87 to 90 wins in his career. I want to disagree with you, Steve, and say, sure thing, he's going to go up there and pass Jeff Gordon, but I don't know. I don't think so. I could see him doing what you just said, passing Allison Waltrip there, but maybe not quite getting to his old mentor, Jeff Gordon. Okay, we will let Steve have the final hot lap question on the show. It has been well documented that you are a New England fan, specifically everything Boston. Pats lost the Super Bowl. Bruins just eliminated by Tampa Bay. Celtics advancing last night, and the Red Sox battling the Yankees. Better chance for a championship this year. Red Sox, Celtics. Red Sox, baseball. We're going to get a better 
record than the Yankees, and we're going to keep it all year. I think that's the right choice, and I just want to tell everybody, you're <laughs> not going to answer, don't worry. Um, we didn't give these questions ahead of time, so this no. is truly Yeah, we had no idea. Uh, we did mention Matt Kenseth a moment ago. We want to bring you some news today. We might have just lost Steve. Oh, he might have just unplugged. He's done with the hot. Oh, there he is. There he's um, back. Let's bring up Matt Kenseth's schedule because we learned a little bit about what's going on in 2018 while we figure out what's going on with Steve. Roush Fenway Racing unveiling the slate for the races in which he's going to be sponsored by Wyndham Rewards. So keep that in mind. There's some other pieces to this. But that schedule starts this weekend at Kansas, and he's also going to be competing in the Coke 600, the Brickyard 400. You may recall that is the regular season finale. And in addition to three playoff races, including Miami. By the way, our NASCAR insider, Nate Ryan, has reported that Matt Kenseth also going to run the All-Star race next week, along with the June race at Pocono. So Matt Kenseth, Steve, has been in a situation, as you look at what we're learning about these races that have been added to his schedule, where he has had a Game 7 mentality. His back has been up against the wall, not necessarily at Phoenix, but he's in a position now where he's going to be put in that playoff regular season finale environment. Is this the right call? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, Matt Kenseth is driving for Roush Fenway to evaluate their equipment. I don't think there's going to be anyone more nervous at Kansas Speedway this week than the executives, the front office, and the engineering staff at Roush Fenway Racing. The goal for Matt Kenseth is to get in their cars and try to help them figure out what they need to do to get better, what they need to do, whether it's aerodynamics, horsepower, or mechanical grip, but I think their nerves come because if Matt Kenseth gets in those cars and the hero goes out and runs behind Ricky Stenhouse Jr., I think they're going to not feel so good about their equipment. I think right now they're, they get a little bit of a free pass because Ricky is a little unproven at the cup level. While he has a couple wins, they're both restrictor plate wins, tons of success in the Xfinity level, but multiple champion there, but just never found that success at the cup level. So you always have to wonder, you know, is it the guy behind the wheel? Is it the equipment? Is it a mix of two? And now they're putting in a very veteran guy with Matt Kenseth. So the equipment is what will be on test at Kansas this weekend. I think it'll be interesting to see if we, uh, you know, if, if Matt is able to make a difference and if a driver still makes a large difference in the trajectory of an organization or if they can make a large difference in how well that organization does or the information and the, the, the things that they're doing with the cars and how they're building them. So I think that'll be exciting. But I foresee that if he does run well and is able to do the things that I believe Matt Kenseth will be able to do, his schedule could expand. You can go to NBCSports.com to get the latest on the schedule. His former teammate, Denny Hamlin, uh, still looking for his first win of the season. He thinks that something has been holding his team back specifically, and he's going to tell us what that is when we come back. Stay with us. TPC Sawgrass and its world-famous Island Green at 17 challenges the best field in golf as they battle for their championship. Coverage of the players continues tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern on Golf Channel and Saturday at 2 Eastern over on NBC. And Denny Hamlin was at TPC Sawgrass Wednesday to judge the FedEx Junior Business Challenge. Hamlin, 2014 FedEx Cup champion Billy Horschel and Olympic legend Shannon Miller hearing pitches for original business concepts from the students with junior achievement of North Florida. Rosa Santos and her group Tropical Wave were named the winners, so they now advance to the Challenge Finals where students compete for a $75,000 donation from FedEx to their local Junior Achievement Chapter. And Nate Ryan spoke with Hamlin at the event. 
here at the TPC Sawgrass with Denny Hamlin. Denny, I know you'd like to be out there playing this weekend. You've got a race to get to. We'll, we'll get to that. But let's start first with why you're here today for FedEx. Yeah, this is a great program. Uh, you know, J Worldwide, people have seen it on my car in the FedEx Cares car that we run each and every year. Uh, but to, to come out here and, and see some of the ideas, some of these uh, from the Junior Achievement uh, Foundation here in North Florida, to see some of the ideas that the kids have uh, to start up business, it's, it's pretty amazing to see. And unfortunately, we only had to give one of them uh, the winning trophy because uh, there were so many great ones. But uh, you know, we're we're really excited to see uh, Rosa and her her uh, food truck ideas or fruit truck. So uh, that's going to be great. She's going to go to Atlanta and uh, compete with the mother kids. Uh, that's pretty cool. And I know you, you had a good time here today. But again, I know you can't stay. You got to get to Kansas Speedway. You've got to win there. Uh, how do you feel about going back there this weekend? I, I feel good about it. It's been a really good track for us. Uh, it, it really, you know, over the last two years or so, it's been a very solid track for us, especially a mile and a half. Uh, looking forward to going back and, and you know, kind of redeeming where we were at Texas. I thought we were a top two to three car there. Obviously, speeding penalty uh, got us and, and put us behind. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, and not only that, see my old buddy Matt again. I think I'm running out. I thought we were in the best shape of anybody. We're just, we're allergic to stage points. You said that uh, during the, uh, the race at Dover that you feel like your team is allergic to stage points right now. Uh, do you guys discuss that this week? How, how do you yeah. fix that? How do you come overcome those problems? It, it's a topic every week between me and Wales, personally. You know, it just seems like we're, we're finishing well, um, even though we're coming over overcoming adversity. But, you know, obviously between speeding penalties and other things like that, we just have not got enough stage points and that's kind of put us behind in the standings and I feel like uh, once we clean that up we, we really are, are I believe a top five car each and every week and so um, that performance needs to translate into wins and, and and playoff points and then then you can think about a championship later. All right we'll see if Denny Hammond can clean it up and have a perfect weekend at Kansas go for his second victory this Saturday night. Our thanks to Nate for that. Denny Hamlin has a way with words and sounds. He is Steve averaging an 11th place finish in stage racing, thus just missing out on those points that have become critical. This is the point in the show we really get into stage racing and how that has affected everything, specifically Denny Hamlin. Yeah, Carolyn, I love it when a driver makes my job basically as easy as possible because I think Denny Hamlin has it broken down exactly right. Their performance is there. But he keeps using a word, overcome. We overcame this. We need to overcome that. That is the number one problem when you look at the numbers from the 11 of Denny Hamlin. When you look at his performance, it's pretty decent. You compare him to other cars in the field as when it comes to stage points. You look at Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer and Denny Hamlin both have run pretty decent. They do okay. The difference being the penalties. The number one thing when it comes to Denny Hamlin is he has five penalties just in the first two stages alone of the races this year. That is basically the entire deficit when it comes to stage racing and the points they award for Denny Hamlin. I went back and looked at those penalties. 19 points, basically, in the position he was running versus post-penalty, not finishing in the top 10. 19 points. So almost 20 points have been given up just by mistakes. And what I think this proves is that stage racing is more than just a break in the action. It's more than just an opportunity to get up and get concessions. It is truly changing the way the races run. And it's changing the way the competitors have to run within them because forever a 500-mile race was just that. It was 500 miles. For 499 miles, all I had to do as a crew chief was put myself and my car in position to lead the 500th mile. 
Nowadays, that is not the case at all. While that is still fine and you still may get a trophy, when you make mistakes and you don't run in the top 10 of the first and the second stage, Parker, you are losing ground to the cars that do. And that ground over time continues to add up, and I think that's where Denny Hamlin and Mike Wheeler currently are. Steve, how cool is it that we are talking about the first portion of races here on a Thursday heading to another race? I mean, this is unheard of, and that's what the point you made. It's, it's stages and the importance and how much they've changed the racing, how they've changed the mentality of the racing. And I go back to what I said earlier in the show about what Kurt Busch said in that he has never in his career been forced to race so hard so often and so early because of the importance of these stages. And therefore, as you heard Denny go into, talking to his crew chief, Chris uh, Wheels there, he said, basically, we are we're talking about this every week because we know we're giving up these points. That's how important it is. This used to be not even close to a topic of conversation. It used to be, hey, we haven't won races. How do we win races? All we got to do is win races. And now we're not talking about that. They're talking about how they are running in portions of the race and talking about it weeks on end because that's how important it is. This is not going to go away for the 11 car unless they can fix those penalties Steve is talking about. Steve, last word. All right. Well, Parker, I would say it's no longer about where you finish in the race unless you win. It's how many points you gain. Hertz, points per event is the new metric. That yep. determined how successful your weekend was. Carolyn, there won't be 16 winners. That will not guarantee 16 spots in the playoffs. When these playoff fields are set, 16th through 10th, maybe 16th through 8th, that will be determined purely on who scores the most points in some of these stages. And I'll just leave you with this. Kyle Busch has accumulated 133 stage points. And when you think about that, he is 80 to the good over Denny Hamlin in that regard. And you've seen the season that he has had and what he's been able to do. I always pick him to win stages in my fantasy, <laughs> no matter what race we're going to. Um, meantime, Dale Earnhardt Jr. doesn't have to worry about all this stuff anymore. He's retired, and last week was a big one in his life. He became a father, and we're going to hear from Jr. on his first podcast since the arrival of Isla Rose. That is straight ahead. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. On this day in NASCAR history, we go back to 2007. Uh, I've told you all season long that when we have something to announce that we would announce it, so we're calling this press conference here today to announce that after a year of intense negotiations and intense effort on behalf of Hart Incorporated, and JR Motorsports that we decide that it's time for us to move on and seek other opportunities to drive for a new team in 2008. A month after announcing that Junior was leaving DEI, he announced he'd be heading to Hendrick Motorsports where he spent the last 10 seasons of his career. And Steve was of course at Hendrick working with Jeff Gordon at the time. What was the first thing you thought, Steve, when you learned that Junior was coming over? Well, I know that Chad Knauss and I sat in our office and watched the announcement that, that Dale Jr. was going to join Hendrick Motorsports. And for my tenure there, I started there in 1995, and I knew Rick Hendrick had hired Daryl Waltrip and Terry Labonte kind of in the second half in their careers, and they were some big names. But this was really the big free agent hire. Remember, Jeff Gordon drove his entire career there. Jimmy Johnson currently is still driving for the one and only owner he's ever driven for. So this was the big acquire, and we wondered how much it would change the company. And we were shocked to, to see what kind of wave of enthusiasm and fan brace he brought. Even knowing he was the most popular driver, we had no idea what he would do to a race team. And he, without a doubt, brought the fans. I remember, as odd as it may sound, some very late-night tours for Dale Hart Jr. and Tony Urie <laughs> when we were trying to court him over to Hendrick Motorsports. So 
to know that he finally came on board was uh, an exciting day for the company. What stands out to me, Steve, is how he sounded when he made the announcement. He used the words intense twice, intense negotiation. You could almost feel the pressure. What, what was that decision like? How difficult was it for him to actually leave DEI? Well, listen, he left a race team with his name on the wall. While it was his father's name and his father's company, it's his name as well. And I think it was just obvious to everyone in the racing world that he would just run at DEI forever. He would retire there. The place was basically built around him and his career. So the fact that it had finally fallen apart, I know it made a big difference that his father was no longer around, but you would just hope that there was enough vision within the company and management that they could see this all working out. I think it shocked the NASCAR world to think that Dale Earnhardt Jr. would no longer be driving for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. It was unfathomable. Well, Jr.'s a father himself now. Let's listen to what he said um, earlier this week about the newest addition to his family in his podcast, The Dale Jr. Download. If you're ready to have a baby, we can have it. Let's have it. So me and Amy were like, let's go. So <laughs> <laughs> an hour later... We had our baby, and she had all her fingers and toes and cute little face, and I got to uh, cut the cord, and they weighed her, you know, and I'm there, and, and you're uh, you're so, it's like you're, there's your baby, you know, yeah. sitting right there on this little table getting weighed, and you just can't wait to get her in your arms, and you're like, I can't believe this person, it's a person, you know, all these things are just coming into your head and, and rushing into your heart. I'm a basket of nerves yeah. and crying and oh you guys i mean uh, you know i look at amy and i'm like you're so strong and i'm just in awe of yeah. how strong amy is so I'm, i've been uh <laughs> i've been the one that's kind of have a hard time holding it together this whole week because every time i look at isla i want to cry every time i look at amy and her together when amy's holding her or feeding her i just can't uh, believe this is in my life. She smirks the Earnhardt smirk some when oh, she does really? one side. I'm yeah. sure all babies do the one-sided smirk, but I, I, I like to tell Amy that's the Earnhardt in her coming out because that's how Daddy always smiles. A diaper change can take a while, because, and it might end up ruining a couple diapers before you finally get one on there. Hey, part of it. That's one. That's I mean, this for a new dad. Yep. I'm like, man, I thought you just changed it. and Nope. We'll put one under there. She'll pee in it before I can even get it wrapped up. <laughs> Pull that one out. Put it on. Now the whole back, now the whole change of table's wet. Now her back's wet. Now, yep. you know, might have to change her clothes. So much to look forward to. I can't wait till she gives me little kisses on the cheek and calls yeah. me daddy and all those things. Um, I definitely do not want to rush it and get here when it gets here. What a sweet note about seeing his father's smirk, you know, in her face already. Awesome. Just just a great time to be alive for Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, Steve, you know him so well. And um, it's just, it's really sweet to hear this part of him after making a difficult decision to step away from the sport now be fulfilled in a completely different way. Yeah, I couldn't be more happy for Dale and Amy. I couldn't think of two more wonderful people, um, two more deserving people. He's been very successful in his career. But, uh, you know, my career was barely a blip on the radar versus the family that I have at home, my wife and kids, and what I'm able to share with them makes everything in my life kind of go around. And Dale and I have had those conversations for years, and I'm so excited to see him experience all the firsts. If he thinks the birth was crazy, he has no idea. The first birthday, the fifth birthday, I'm now up to soon 13 and 15. So it's, um, it goes by fast. I'm just going to remind him to appreciate every single day.
I think the biggest thing is that Amy now has two kids on her hands because Dale there <laughs> definitely looked and sounded like a little bit kid at uh, having a lot of fun, obviously having Isla in his life, and you could just tell the enjoyment and, and sincerity about the, how enthusiastic he is about being a father. Yeah. Well, changing diapers make you grow up. Oh, uh, that would be, yeah. <laughs> He's definitely we a father wish, then. We wish Amy the best, too, as they continue to feel good. We're so happy for them. Also very happy for Kyle Petty, who's doing something very special right now. His charity ride entering the home stretch, traveling through the Commonwealth of Virginia on its way to Victory Junction in North Carolina. A very, very worthy cause. And as you can see, Chris Devota joined the ride in Pennsylvania today. She and KP in our very own Rutledge Wood, having some fun <laughs> with fans at Shenandoah National Park. But as Krista tells us, the ride is really also about bringing awareness to that very important cause I mentioned. I must love Kyle because he's got me on a bike. But then when you think about the reason we're here and the kids and um, the 8,405 smiles that have already been lit up around the, around the country and the fact that whatever we're doing today and, and this week all goes to that and all goes to kids getting that experience that, that mean how can you say no, it's, it's all worth it. So glad to hear from Krista there. And the 24th annual event concludes tomorrow at Victory Junction. You can follow the ride on Twitter at KP Charity Ride. Everybody always has so much fun. And um, it's just it's a wonderful thing to be a part of for Kyle Petty. Uh, fantasy picks on tap are either Steve or Parker picking the guy who swept Kansas last year. We're going to find out next. I'm going to be taking notes, so don't go anywhere. Coming off a Game 6 shutout tonight, Pecorine will look to once again shut down the Jets. The party is underway in Nashville as they get set to host a Game 7 for the first time. It's winner take all, and it starts with NHL Live next. Liam, thank you. Nothing better than a Game 7. I am feeling Game 7-ish pressure. <laughs> As we enter the sixth week of our 10-week NASCAR American Fantasy League, there are five races to go, I realize, but I have a lot of work to do. The competition is heating up in a very real way. Parker always checks what Roto World is saying. Dan Beaver over there is our senior NASCAR writer. What's his advice this week? I should be there. Well, yeah, I need to us. go there, too, because I'm trying not to finish last. That's my Game 7 <laughs> pressure right now. But uh, Dan had some great advice about not choosing Denny Hamlin. Although he has a great record at Kansas, you heard from him earlier in the show, he's feeling very confident. It's those penalties. They have been really hurting him in the fantasy ranks because he does not get those stage points. So thank you, Dan, for helping me with that. Okay, so who are you taking? Is it fair to say that Truex is a lock this week? I mean, yes. what, what are you doing here? You have to pick Martin Truex Jr., obviously, what he did last year there sweeping. But I've also got Kyle Busch in 18. Surprise, surprise. I've got Kevin Harvick in the four. Once again, he's incredibly hot right now. You can't seem to, to keep him down. Joe Logano in the 22. I just feel like that team is turning things up a little bit. The Penske car's been fast. I like his chances going into Kansas. We already talked about Martin. And then Ryan Blaney. I said it earlier in the show, I believe he will break through and win in that 12 car at Kansas. And then in the garage, I got the hometown favorite, Clint Boyer. How can you not choose him? That's a great call. Steve, I just learned something very valuable that at the bottom of our fantasy picks, you can actually select a race winner. I've just been, <laughs> I have just been filling in either Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick just from start to finish. Every stage win, every win, these are your picks. Well, yeah, I'm a little concerned that mine look a lot like Parker with his performance in you the league. Be. But there's so many names, you don't even have to talk about it. Kyle and Harvick, they're on fire. I have Truex winning. I think he's still Mr. Kansas until somebody can prove otherwise. I have the other Penske driver, Brad Keselowski. I also have Ryan Blaney. But my sleeper pick is Chase Elliott. He's going to break through, and I want to be ready.
All right, let's check back in on our poll question. Which of these drivers below most likely to end their winless streak? Parker has Ryan Blaney to win the entire race. And no one agrees Pretty with Pretty even across the board. <laughs> um, or let's finalize the poll here and see what the deal is. Chase Elliott. You know, I've picked Chase Elliott on my fantasy team, Parker, for the last, like, Four weeks, however long we've been doing this, and now it seems that he may be. Apparently, like Steve is more persuasive than me, the and they all agree. Of Steve. a breakthrough, eight second place finishes. Could this be it? That's all for NASCAR America. Now go to NBCSports.com/NASCAR for the very latest news. Stanley Cup playoffs are next. Who's going to advance to the Western Conference Final? Game Seven, NHL Live, right now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.